bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. Happy Monday. I'm Steve Bonta filling in for my very able colleague, Paul Dragu, who will be back tomorrow from CPAC. We're glad you can join us. Well, today we'll be focusing on CPAC, which over the years has moved away from the neoconservative faction of the Republican Party to become America first and anti-globalist. In fact, this year's theme at the Conservative Political Action Conference was, quote, where globalism goes to die, unquote. Our show will include key clips from three foreigners who came to CPAC last week to add their own powerful voices to the growing chorus for freedom and national independence. The Brexit movement's Nigel Farage, El Salvador's popular president Nayib Bukele, Bukele, and Argentina's flamboyant new president Javier Millet. We'll also show you what former Trump administration official Peter Navarro, a prominent victim of lawfare who soon will be serving prison time, had to say. And to conclude our program, we'll get perspective from John Birch Society CEO Bill Hahn. But first, Trump gave two key speeches Saturday. One was at CPAC, inside the Washington, D.C. Beltway, or should we say inside the Beltway of the Beast. And the other was in conservative South Carolina later in the day, where he gave his victory speech after beating Nikki Haley in the Palmetto State by 20 points. His margin of victory was particularly significant because South Carolina is Haley's home state, where she served as governor. It's also notable that Trump has now won all of the first four GOP primary and caucus contests, and that Haley, his only remaining Republican opponent, is leading nowhere in the many GOP contests still to come. His bid for the GOP presidential nomination now seems certain, despite the lawfare being waged against him and a hostile media. Consequently, his weekend speeches on Saturday manifested a pivot in his campaign, where he is now focusing on defeating Joe Biden and not talking about Nikki Haley. Meanwhile, Haley, far from showing any sign of embarrassment after being trounced in her home state, has said she is continuing her campaign. And at least one Trump critic has found a way to spin Haley's disastrous South Carolina defeat as a strong showing for Haley. Seriously, listen to former Trump White House communications director Farah Griffin on CNN. Somebody who's running is virtually an incumbent, Donald Trump getting 60 percent, 40 percent being against him. That's not a mandate, especially with the entire Republican Party apparatus behind him, with most elected Republicans behind him. Now, it's unclear what a path could look like for Nikki Haley. I think we're all very open eyed about that. But she is underscoring the fundamental weakness of Donald Trump, and it should be a five alarm fire for the party. <laughs> five alarm fire? Well, not for MAGA. But for the establishment conservatives who are losing their grip on the GOP and for the deep state and their media lapdogs, a five-alarm fire is a fitting metaphor. Not to put too fine a point on it, the never-Trumpers have become increasingly alarmed as Trump has caught on fire. Listen to this extended clip of Trump at CPAC on Saturday. Four years ago, I told you that if crooked Joe Biden got to the White House, our borders would be abolished our middle class would be decimated and our communities would be plagued by bloodshed, chaos, and violent crime. We were right about everything. So believe me when I offer you another warning, and we've been right about so much, just about everything. If crooked Joe Biden and his thugs win in 2024, the worst is yet to come. Our country go will go and sink to levels that were unimaginable. And just think about it. 
With four more years of Biden, the hordes of illegal aliens stampeding across our borders will exceed 40 to 50 million people. Medicare, Social Security, health care, and public education will buckle and collapse. It will collapse as sure as you're sitting or standing there. It will collapse. Our economy will be starved of energy by Crooked Joe's vindictive Green New Scam. It's a Green New Scam. It'll be the destruction of our country. It is indeed a scam, and most of them know it. Some of them, the fools, believe it, but most of them know it. Millions of manufacturing jobs will be choked off into extinction, and you'll have constant blockouts and blackouts and rampant inflation. Ruthless gangs will explode even more into the suburbs. And when they talk about suburban women, they're going to love me so much. They're going to say, oh, I wish we had that guy back. The gangs will be invading your territory, I can tell you that. While weaponized law enforcement hunts for conservatives and people of faith, religious, Hamas and Antifa will terrorize our streets while they're Brutal ideology, and it is brutal indeed. It is brutal and horrible, like nobody's ever seen before. It takes over our schools. China will dominate us, not just economically, but militarily, and that's what they want, and that's where they're heading. But they weren't heading there with me. I took over $400 billion out of China, and they weren't too happy about it. And then all of a sudden, we had the China virus. Now, I happen to think it was incompetence, but a lot of people disagree with that. And a declining crooked Joe Biden. He's the crookedest, most incompetent president in the history of our country. <laughs> we'll soon have us losing World War III. We won't even be in World War III. We'll be losing World War III with weapons the likes of which nobody has ever seen before. These are the stakes of this election. Our country is being destroyed, and the only thing standing between you and its obliteration is me. It's true. Sobering stuff. Trump also told the America First conservatives gathered at CPAC that Election Day, November 5th, will be, quote, Liberation Day, unquote, for hardworking Americans, and Judgment Day for those who have commandeered our government. Well, with me today, as almost always, is Gary Benoit, the editor-in-chief of the New American Magazine, my longtime colleague, friend, and boss. Gary, um, okay, well, it, it seems to me that that Trump, is his mannerisms are a little tempered here. He does kind of seem to imply that he's the guy that's standing in the gap. And I'm not sure that he's giving all the credit. You know, you know where, where, where did, I mean, what is the genesis of the, the MAGA movement? Is it really all about Trump, or is it something bigger than him? Well, that's a really, really good question, Steve. And obviously, there is something far bigger. And what is bigger is mega. And of course, to understand mega properly, one must need to understand that mega is not something that Trump himself created. Mega, albeit under different names, already existed prior to Trump coming on the scene. It was known by various names, such as the, the Tea Party, for instance, or such as the, uh, uh, the Moral uh, Majority. And uh, what is today called the Magna Movement is a movement that very, very early on was fed and, and uh, uh, was grown through the efforts of the, uh, the John Birch Society, which goes back to 1958 when that organization, the, the parent organization of this magazine, w was founded. 
And if it weren't for that understanding, uh, then the Trump phenomenon would have been impossible. So that's very important to realize. It's important to realize, too, uh, that Trump won't always be on the scene and that when Trump is no longer on the scene, uh, that this movement will uh, continue. And, and I'm sure under different names in the future. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the John Birch Society's <laughs> contribution. Mm-hmm. We were there. Mm-hmm. We had, we'll talk more about this in later segments. But it's it sort of made me think, and as I told you half jokingly, with apologies to Richard Nixon's shade, we're all Birchians now. Right. And I mean, you, re- you really sort of see that, that this, you know, Trump and a number of people talked about the theme of the conference was anti-globalist. And, you know, I mean, my, my institutional memory goes back to the 90s when I first became aware of CPAC. And it was all Casper Weinbergers and Bob Doles and Buckleyite, so-called conservative, all this sort of thing back then. The one maverick, Pat Buchanan, it was, was very controversial. He was mostly on our wavelength, but he was considered to be this fringe character. And now, you know, the, right. the, this, is, this is, you know, people who are concerned about these, the, these things like American sovereignty and everything else are, are just, you know, dominating sure. proceedings. And when you say we're all Birchers now, and you refer to Richard Nixon, what he said was— I said Birchians because he Birchians. said we're all Keynesians, okay. but yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he said Birchers we're all Keynesians now, uh, yeah. referring to the socialist uh, economists— but people really are becoming birchers in spirit and in understanding a result of many, many years of hard work. Uh, and, of course, we, we hope that many of them, as they be, come into the freedom movement, will also join the John Birch Society. We do indeed. We do indeed. I mean, you know, the, I mean, CPAC is a wonderful amplifying event. And there were a lot of wonderful speeches. We, unfortunately, we can only can cover a couple in, in, in the context of this program. But it's still pretty diffuse. Action is also needed. We're going to talk about that in a later segment. Okay, after the break, we'll continue our CPAC coverage. If Americans want to remain a free and sovereign nation, more people need to understand the principles and values that built this great nation. At the John Birch Society, we have the organization, the plan, and the resources to do just that. Our founder, Robert Welch, said, Education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Go to JBS.org to learn more including how you can get involved to work locally and impact nationally. Join the John Birch Society today. Well, welcome back. It turns out CPAC isn't just for Americans anymore. The freedom movement has spread far and wide with a number of prominent speakers from Europe and Latin America headlining this year's conference. Among them was pioneering Eurosceptic and the leader of the successful Brexit movement, Nigel Farage. Now, for me, for me, CPAC has become an annual pilgrimage. And I love coming, but boy, how CPAC has changed. When I first came here a decade ago, I was the only foreign-born speaker on the platform, the only non-American on the platform. And look at it today, quite extraordinary. I've met delegates here, elected officials from Hungary, from Poland, from Romania, Australia, Canada, Colombia, Mexico, and I'm going to get this wrong because I'm bound to forget somebody, France and Germany and right across the world. And the international summit that preceded this event had representatives from over 20 countries. We've even got the president of Argentina coming to CPAC tomorrow. For me to be here, suddenly, I'm not alone. CPAC has become an international movement. The globalists, by trying to take away our national sovereignty, trying to take away our national democracy, and ultimately 
try to take away our individual freedoms and liberties have forced us all together into this new movement in the most remarkable way. Well, another impressive uh, speaker was El Salvador's wildly popular president, Nayib Bukele, who showed a better understanding than most Americans of how the Federal Reserve System finances much of the government by printing money. Let's listen. There are other symptoms that are even more difficult to diagnose. For instance, the financial situation of the United States. When I talk to my conservative friends right here, they always tell me that the problem is high taxes. But they're wrong. Of course, high taxes are extremely high here in the United States. I, I give you that. You're right in that. But that's not the real problem. The real problem is not the high taxes themselves, but the fact that they are not even really funding the government. Not even those high taxes, higher than a lot of places in the world, not even those taxes are really funding the government. So who's financing the government? Government is financed by treasury bonds, paper. And who buys the treasury bonds? Mostly the Fed. And how does the Fed buy them? By printing money. But what backing does the Fed have for that money being printed? The treasury bonds themselves. So basically, you finance the government by printing money out of thin air. Someone could ask, someone could ask, well, so if the government can print the limited amounts of money out of thin air, why did they collect taxes? I mean, in theory, it would make sense, right? If they can print unlimited amounts of money, why would they need taxes for? The answer is simple, but it's very shocking. The real problem is that you pay high taxes only to uphold the illusion that you are funding the government, which you are not. It's shocking, but it's true. The government is funded by money printing, paper backed with paper, a bubble that will inevitably burst. The situation is even worse than it seems, because if most Americans and the rest of the world were to become aware of this farce, confidence in your currency would be lost, the dollar would fall, and the Western civilization with it. Undoubtedly, the most popular of the foreign dignitaries at CPAC this year was Argentina's flamboyant new libertarian president, sworn into office only last December. In his short time at the helm of Argentina's government, Millet has already slashed government spending to the bone, terminating entire ministries in fulfillment of a major campaign promise, posting Argentina's first monthly budget surplus in years, and supercharging Argentina's financial markets as foreign investors, confident of his programs, are starting to pour back into the country. Millet also delivered a powerful defense of liberty and condemnation of international socialism at last month's globalist gathering in Davos. At CPAC, he did not disappoint. Don't let 
socialism advance. No avalen la regulación. Don't endorse regulation. No avalen la idea de los fallos de mercado. Don't endorse the idea of market failure. No permitan el avance de la agenda asesina. Don't allow the advance of the murderous agenda. Y no se dejen llevar por los cantos de sirena de la justicia social. And don't let the siren calls of social justice woo you. Yo vengo de un país que compró todas esas ideas estúpidas y de ser un país de los más ricos del mundo está en el lugar 140. I come from a country that bought all of those stupid ideas and from being one of the most affluent countries in the world now we rank 140. Por lo tanto, no entreguen su libertad, peleen por su libertad. So don't surrender your liberty, fight for your freedom. Porque si no pelean por la libertad, los van a llevar a la miseria. If you don't fight for your freedom, they will drag you into misery. Millet also met Trump backstage, where he was assured that MAGA also stands for Make Argentina Great Again. President! Well, Gary, uh, I mean that was that was a lot that, to digest. That was inspiring, don't you think, Steve? Oh, it was. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of it's it's interesting how people who come from countries that have already gone down that road to serfdom have seen firsthand, have experienced as Argentines and El Salvadorans have, and even the British to a significant degree, you know, what, what the fruits, the real fruits of this, not just the doctrine, but also the agenda that's being set by these globalists, what it's like to experience that. It's amazing to see the passion that they bring to an event like this. I mean, sometimes some, our people are just so clinical and this sort of thing. I mean, obviously right. the passion is being aroused now because we're, we're, we're starting to live that during the Biden years and even during the Trump years with the deep state attacks right. on Trump. People realizing it's not a game anymore. I would say on the one hand, the John Birch Society can give you an understanding that uh, other people who do not have access to our information would not have, but at the same time, people who actually live under tyranny, people who have actually lived in a concentration camp, uh, people who have seen the, for themselves the killing fields, have an understanding that none of us have. Yeah, I mean, just last night I received a frantic message from a friend of mine living in a communist dictatorship telling me that the government is uh, tracking him and trying to intimidate him. He fears for his life now, and he wants to try to escape from the country somehow. And it was really sobering to see this man that I have so much respect and regard for, just terrified for himself and his family. This is the reality that, that, that hundreds of millions, billions of people have experienced in the last hundred years. And, uh, you know, I mean, people like Millet and Bukele, I think, really drive this message home. Right. That this is, this so is what awaits us if right. we continue in this path. And part of what is so exciting is in the John Birch Society, we're fighting for what we call Americanism. And we base that on the definition and the Declaration of Independence, that rights come from our creator and that the purpose of government is to protect those, those rights. And, and uh, so to hear people who, who uh, come from a different, uh, different parts of the country talking the same thing. It brings home the fact that Americanism is not just for America, 
but it's the same philosophy that people throughout the world embrace. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing that maybe I find vaguely disquieting is that, for, at the moment at least, it seems like the United States has partly relinquished her role as the world leader, and you have countries like Argentina, El Salvador, and elsewhere too, we don't have time to mention, stepping up. And ho- So hopefully that, that yeah. will change in a few months. I, I think it will. We'll see. Okay, stay tuned. There's more CPAC coverage on the way. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration, Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists, Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control. Immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash outofcontrol. The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polished Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. Welcome back, everyone. Donald Trump isn't the only one being victimized by lawfare. Peter Navarro, former director of the White House Trade Council under President Trump, is preparing to serve four months prison time for the nebulous crime of contempt of Congress, something that numerous Obama and now Biden administration officials have been cited for, but never sent to prison. Navarro gave a detailed moving account of the inquisitorial persecution and prosecution leading to his draconian sentence and warned that such Stalinist tactics will soon be unleashed against perceived enemies of the regime, large and small. It's worth listening to a good part of what he had to say. Look at what's going on. Democrats, Biden, Garland and Smith, Bragg, James and Willis, and a sizable chunk of the radical wing of the Democrat Party not only want to stop Republican Donald Trump from retaking the White House, they want this presidential titan, and I was there when he was that titan, and providential titan who kept our nation in prosperity and out of war for four beautiful years. They want him to die cruelly in prison. We must face that reality. If you don't believe they may well succeed, just just look at my own situation as I stand before you on this stage as a former high-ranking Trump official now just weeks away from a prison cell. The parallels between my own and Trump's case are indeed striking. I am the first, the first senior White House advisor ever convicted of contempt of Congress. Trump is the first former president 
ever, ever to be criminally indicted. I was put in leg irons by armed FBI agents who far more easily could have asked for my voluntary surrender. Trump was the target of an equally unnecessary armed FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. I was indicted by the Biden-Garland Department of Justice despite a more than 50-year policy against compelled congressional testimony by senior White House officials like me. DOJ's, DOJ's hypocrite prosecutors would falsely argue to my jury that I had acted above the law when they knew damn well I was simply honoring the Constitution, fulfilling my oath of office, and obeying the law, the Department of Justice's own Office of Legal Counsel had long articulated and supported. Now, here's the deal. Listen carefully. Trump likewise faces a dizzying array of charges and more than 700 years in prison based on equally novel and baseless applications of laws and statutes that have been tortured and twisted by partisan prosecutors. Then there is this. You must know this. Every single major actor in the prosecutions of both me and Trump are what? Democrats. Yet the Democrats and their useful partisan idiots in the legacy media, a.k.a. the fake news, want you to believe our prosecutions are not political. No, nothing to see here. In my case, a Democrat House majority held me in contempt on an overwhelmingly partisan vote. A Democrat-controlled Department of Justice indicted and prosecuted me. A heavily skewed Democrat jury right here in the District of Columbia featuring members who had expressed anti-Trump sentiments in voir dire convicted me. Trump similarly has been indicted solely by Democrats. Here's the deal. The probability of the former president Getting a jury broadly reflective of the American electorate is near zero in the bluest of blue cities of where? Washington, D.C., Manhattan, and Atlanta. Then there is this, and this was a big surprise to me, the utter repudiation in both our cases of Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall's admonition that every defendant has the right to what? To a full and fair defense. By the time my case got to the jury, the judge had stripped me of every possible defense, thereby making my conviction a foregone conclusion. As my attorney said, that can't be the law, but it was in that court. I see the same process unfolding now as I follow the myriad Trump court cases across multiple jurisdictions, Democrat-appointed judges are systematically stripping away the full fair and rightful defenses of Trump. As I ready myself for a prison cell, my question to all of you here is this. What are you going to do as you leave CPAC to protect your own right to vote for Donald Trump if you choose? Well, sobering stuff, and I mean, it might, we don't have a lot of time, but I just wanted to add a couple things about this guy, Peter Navarro, Gary, who's not familiar to a lot of people. He's an economist by training, and he's regarded as a maverick because he doesn't agree with the mainstream consensus on many things. For example, he's a big-time proponent of tariffs. 
He is a big-time opponent, very vocal opponent of the NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Organization, uh, also the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and all these other multilateral trade agreements. He's very opposed to those. Um, so he's he's a guy who is very much situated in the anti-globalist, the, the small camp of anti-globalist economists, a formidable you know, f- spokesman against all this, you know, the, 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 these trade agreements and everything else. So, I mean, does that maybe shed any light as to why they're perse- prosecuting him and persecuting him so zealously? I, I think by itself it sheds a lot of light, but I would add in addition to what you said, Steve, that uh, he put a lot of research into the election steal of 2020 yes. yeah. and came out with extensive reports and documentation uh, showing that the election was was stolen. And I'm sure the powers uh, that be are very mad at him about that. And he was also a COVID denier. Oh, right? yes. Yes, yes he was that's part, right. Part of that. Yeah, I remember he, that too. He, tick, he checks all the boxes. Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you know, does this portend, does, does this really mean that, uh, that, I mean, how far is this going to go? I mean, Peter Navarro well, I, is a, I, like a mid-level yes. official. How, you know, is, is this is this purge going to continue unabated? I, I think, Steve, it's going to go as far as we allow it. And by we, of course, I'm referring to the American people themselves. If we don't fight for our freedoms, we are going to lose our freedoms. And in fact, uh, uh, listening to what Peter had to say reminded me about a quip that was associated with uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, after after the Declaration of Independence was signed, after we proclaimed our independence from Great Britain. And uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin quipped that either we are all going to hang together or we will be hanged separately. Yeah, and I would apply that today, uh, that unless we we go beyond simply informing ourselves, uh, because we don't want to be the best educated people in a concentration camp, unless we also become involved and organized, we will lose our freedoms. Well, you have this this problem, and it's not a new problem. I mean, you know, a hundred years ago, the poet Yeats observed this in his famous poem, the, the Second Coming, you know, that the best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. And what that means is that as a general rule, <clears throat> you know, the, what we now call the radical left, you know, mm-hmm. tend to be people of action. Yes. I mean, if nothing else, because their, their, whole, their, their whole purpose is the pursuit of naked power by any means possible. And power is nothing if not an action-charged word. Whereas, you know, those of us who are opposed, who are not interested in power, tend to be more passive, even supine, tend to think that, well, you know, the power of ideas alone will triumph, or words perhaps. And um, yep. and that's, that's clearly not the case, as, no. as people like Peter Navarro and Donald Trump himself and many of his followers, the J6 people, are learning to their dismay. And as more people, many, many more people are going to learn, frankly— if this, if there's a continuation after November, if this 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 administration continues for another four years, regardless of how old and decrepit Biden is, okay. So anyway, well, next up, John Birch Society CEO Bill Hahn will provide his analysis about this year's CPAC, the JBS, and where the freedom movement is heading. The founders believed in being self-reliant. When you're dependent on others, you're easier to control. Stay strong. Take care of yourself and your family. Get a copy of our latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance. Learn about the necessity of self-reliance for a free people and basic tips on how to get there. Never give up hope. 
For more news and in-depth analysis from The New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You can subscribe online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then on the drop down, hit the subscribe button. Or if you prefer, you can call for a subscription. Call 1-800-727-8783 Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. Welcome back, everyone. Where globalism goes to die. That was the theme for this year's CPAC. And that theme was manifested in a number of ways from the presence of the John Birch Society and its affiliate, the New American at CPAC, to this message U.S. Representative Matt Gates delivered at CPAC and the great response he got. We shouldn't have any foreign aid to any other country without corresponding cuts to our own bloated federal budget. If you want to send aid to Israel, fine. Pay for it by defunding the United Nations. I want the U.N to be zeroed out in our budget. The U.S. should be out of the U.N. and the U.N. should be out of the U.S. Well, hooray for Matt Gates. Um, we didn't used to hear stuff like that at CPAC, but it is worth pointing out that the John Birch Society, our parent organization, has been calling for getting the United, uh, United States out of the United Nations since long before Matt Gates was born, probably since before his parents were born, in point of fact. Joining us now in studio is John Birch Society CEO Bill Hahn. Thank hello, you. Hello, Bill. Hello, hello. All right, Thank you. you know, I'm just tempted to just turn you loose on this. There's, there's so much to say, but I mean, it was, it, it was. We've already talked at length about the general contour of this anti-globalist theme, but here we have a speaker, essentially channeling the JBS, parroting almost word for word the slogan that we've 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 been retailing since since the late 1950s what do you think yes absolutely i mean that was that was the first campaign that we had in 1962 it was was rolled out you know get us out of the united nations get the get the un out of the us you know it, it it's 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 interesting to to um see the the amount of reach and the influence you know that the john birch society has uh in in our in our travels when we when we meet with with members uh, we meet with um, you know attendees at some of these shows, and you're always hearing the stories of you know my my uh, my dad was a bircher, my my grandfather was a bircher, uh, or um, we've never been a member, but we do subscribe to the magazine, uh, or we subscribe to the ideas uh, that you have talked about in regards to limited government, uh, and so on and so forth, and so just following the the, the founders' advice, uh, the founding fathers. Uh, advice of uh, you know avoiding entangling alliances and things of that things of that nature should just give us a, a a number one priority to get out of the United Nations. We never should have been in there to 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 begin with. Why not? I thought the United Nations was was a peaceful organization. Oh. <laughs> How can you be against <laughs> yes. peace? Yes. Oh, peace on communist terms, of course, as Mr. Robert Welch, communist uh, founder. Of the John what Birch do you mean? Com no, nobody talks about that. Communist? <laughs> that <laughs> exactly. sounds like a conspiracy theory yeah. to me, Bill. Oh, Come on the now. international communist conspiracy, as Mr. Welch talked about in the uh, in the blue book of the John Birch Society. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Folks that are that are trying to dismantle the the uh, uh, United States of America and uh, devolve it into uh, world government. There's pretty much uh, you know an easy way of doing that, and that's let's let's flood the country with as much government as we can, uh, and and create so many crises that. Eventually, the the United Nations comes to comes to the rescue, and uh, you know, and of course, 
The solution then is, is more and more government, right? And so to see CPAC actually embrace uh, getting rid of globalism uh, is a huge notch in, in, the, uh, in the wind column for the John Birch Society. Well, I, you know, I, again, I mean, you and I are both old enough to remember the days when when this was something considered to be extremely fringy. And, and I was yes. talking with a colleague this morning about this. You know, back in the 90s and the 80s, most of so-called conservatives were also people who'd been around in World War, you know, many of fought in World War II and this kind of thing. And they, they, they kind of had some skin in that game. And the idea was, well, we fought this world war, and to make sure it never happens again, we set up all these international organizations like the UN. And yeah, we know they're not perfect, but but still, we don't want to go through that again. And rah rah USA, and that that's that that kind of thing. It's sort of this old school, mid twentieth century patriotism. My country, right or wrong, the United Nations, right or wrong, mm. this sort of thing. And you know, most of those people are gone now. That's I mean, so, so so we we're seeing this generational change plus. We're finally really seeing the fruits that we've been warning about for literally decades. You know, people are looking at not just the obvious stuff, maybe like the United Nations trying, you know, it's constant push to try to have ascendancy over our national government, but more subtle things like the, like the cultural Marxism that is mm-hmm. also emanating from these globalist circles, not just the UN, but also, you know, the Global Economic Forum and all or the World Economic Forum and, and, and this kind of thing. And, and people are, are starting to realize, wow, you know, what we're, what we're seeing is, is, is the coupling of a, a, a fundamentally hostile ideology backed by a hostile cadre of people, some of whom are actually Americans, a lot of whom aren't, you know, uh, you know and, and, and it's, come, it's come ashore in a big way, and it's transforming our culture, our way of life, our government, everything about the United States, and, and so people are, are, are really waking up. I, I would also like to say, I mean, you know, in, in the spirit of, the, the way the left loves to take a perfectly good word, like liberal was once a really mm. good word. Yep. I mean, you know, the founding fathers would have maybe self-identified as classical liberals classical or something liberals. like yeah, that, right? Absolutely. But now liberal means precisely the opposite. And, and there are not a lot of other words, you know, democracy and republic, whose meanings have sort of been switched around. But here's one that I'd like to, maybe we should, if, if this year's CPAC is any evidence, maybe there's a new type of globalism out there. Mm. Okay, and not a globalism which contemplates setting up a world government, but but the sort of international perspective that the founding fathers had, which was simple: trade is good with other countries, as long as agreements are bilateral. That's right, Absolutely. and 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 the goal is not to sap sovereignty, uh, commerce, exchange, travel, all these other things. Friendship, with other, yeah. are, are friendship, of course, are are good. Entangling alliances aren't with none. Okay, right. yeah. and and so 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 you know the people who routinely used to accuse. Folks like us as, as isolationists, uh, they don't know what they're talking about. The founding fathers were not isolationists. If you want an isolationist, look at North Korea. That's isolationist. Point. We believe in being a light to the rest of the world, and we can't accomplish that if we don't have diplomatic relations and trade relations, all the rest of this stuff. You know, But the problem is that all of those essentially good things have been taken and twisted to serve the goals of the globalists. Yes. Now, um, color me a skeptic. Uh, I've been mm. I've been with the Birch Society now for uh, going on 17 years, and one of the one of the things that was uh, been pounded into my brain over the years is the fact that we have uh, rhetoric, and we have record. Absolutely. Okay. So we love to see the rhetoric that's coming out of, out of CPAC now, but we cannot forget where uh, CPAC or the American Conservative Union uh, has been founded, who those folks are that that brought us all of this uh, neoconservatism. Um, so good on them for, um, you know, for having, uh, the, the stance against globalism and having, uh, just as you pointed out in the, uh, in the previous segments, 
these these international um, uh, heroes that are that are coming out and and pushing for their country first, uh, instead of uh, glomming on and uh, trying to install the um, the dictates of the of the United Nations and as many affiliates. Uh, but we will see where that goes. Um, we have. When I was last at CPAC, it was quite a, quite a while ago, so it was 2011, and the, um, there was a, a gentleman who had come up to us in the booth, um, and he introduced himself as a member of the board of the American Conservative Union uh, that uh, um, rules CPAC. And he had said that he was very happy that the John Birch Society was there, but he was the only one on that board that shared that sentiment. And so the, the following year when they had a change in leadership, we were uh, uninvited uh, to, to go to CPAC. But, the, but now within the last couple of years, we've gone back. And this is the second year in a row now that we've been there. Uh, so we're very happy. Uh, I was told by a team this morning, and, and you watched uh, our, our X accounts, uh, that um, social media, that there have been so many good interactions, so many good uh, interviews. And there are so many good um, uh, conservatives slash constitutionalists that are now in positions of power that can actually do something about it. And that's what we want to see is that record. Well, that's good. Well, I guess we'll have to leave it there, Bill. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of The New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And please join us again tomorrow. We'll have more to say about CPAC and we'll share excerpts from some of the great interviews we got there.